Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sharing insights on leadership, professional growth, and personal effectiveness from world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and respected experts. This is Great Life, Great Career on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Brought to you by Franklin Covey. Now your host, Scott Miller. Welcome, everyone, to Great Life, Great Career. My name is Scott Miller, and I am your host. We are so honored you've joined us today for this conversation about how do we achieve our own great lives and our own great careers. Before I start on our topic, I want to first give a heartfelt thanks and appreciation to iHeartRadio for their confidence and their own enthusiasm about this topic, about Franklin Covey as our sponsor of this series and as me as their as the host. So I so appreciate their confidence. It always helps to have your backers be your biggest champions. So welcome to Great Life, Great Career. This is going to be a conversation about how do you achieve what's most important in your life? How do your your passions and your talents collide to give you the greatest life possible? You know, there's no one formula to a great life. We know everybody has different dreams and different paths. They're all on different journeys to accomplish different things. But what's common in all of our lives is that when what you care about, which are our values, align with what you are about, which is our purpose and our missions. When those things come together, when you've got alignment between your values and your purpose, great things can happen in your life. And I'm so excited to share some ideas from Franklin Covey, who's our sponsor. More on them in just a few moments. And hear from each of you. What are the paths you've taken, your successes, your challenges? I'm going to share a lot of my own with you as well. Uh, Lots of Lots of successes and lots of failures and lots of learnings along the way. So what a great ride we're going to have together. Now, our format each week will be congealed around a common theme. Each week, we'll pick a theme that really relates to a great life and great career. Today, our theme is going to be about relationships. Each week, we'll have a different topic. Some weeks, we'll talk about what makes a great leader. How do you become a high trust leader? How do you have balance in your life? How do you balance this 24-7 life where people are calling you around the world and wanting answers, you know, as quickly as from South Bend as South Korea? How do you prioritize your values in life? How do you become effective and efficient? How do you boost your productivity? How do you increase the value of the decisions you make on what to focus on? For those of you who are in the midst of your careers, whether you're in a new leadership position, whether you're new to your career or you're, you know, seeing the crescendo of your career, we'll talk about how to execute on your top priorities. How do you prioritize your organizational goals and execute strategy? We'll talk about things like how to improve your sales capability, broad range of topics. Now, each week, we're going to have one guest that joins us. We're privileged through Franklin Covey to have a global presence, and we are able to call on a wide cadre of experts, business titans, CEOs, best-selling authors, social media stars that have earned some, you know, fame around a particular expertise they have. Each week, we'll invite a new guest to come on about midway through and have a conversation with them. What have they learned? In fact, today, I'm excited that in about 15 minutes, we'll have our first guest, who is the chief people officer of the Franklin Covey Company, Todd Davis, who recently wrote a Wall Street Journal bestselling book about the topic today, relationships. And we'll get there in a few minutes. We'll also take your calls each week as well. You are welcome to call us and leave a message about any topic you'd like, any questions, success, challenges you have. That number is 801-449-1876. Again, 801-449-1876. And you're also welcome to email me. We'd love to get your emails, questions, again, insights, any question you have on a topic that's come up recently or one that's in the future in our life or in our program. That email address is lifeandcareer at franklincovey.com. 
life and career at franklincovey.com. And we'll call the most interesting, challenging questions and emails, voicemails each week and share them on the air. Now, our audience for Great Life, Great Career is very broad. We expect that we have a, uh, an international audience listening in, people that are you know, just coming out of college, starting their first careers, perhaps they're in their first job. Again, I said earlier, first leadership position all the way through their 30s, 40s, 60s, and 70s. As I mentioned, one of my favorite thoughts from Dr. Stephen R. Covey, who is the co-founder of the Franklin Covey, talked about living life in crescendo. And he always inspired us to think our best work is ahead of us. That to have a vision for what's next, you know, take refuge in what you're doing now, but be most excited about what's ahead of us in our lives and in our careers. So we hope that our conversation, our topics will resonate to a really broad audience. Now, I mentioned that Franklin Covey is our sponsor, and they happen to be who I work for and have worked with for the last 22 years. Most recently, I just finished my role as the chief marketing officer. I'm a member of the executive team working for the CEO. And now I'm moving more into a role helping the organization really you know, impact its global influence, writing books on this radio show. I host a weekly interview program for the company called On Leadership. And we feature every week similar topics where we interview best-selling authors. In fact, just yesterday, I had the privilege of interviewing the literary titan Doris Kearns Goodwin on that program who wrote the book, Team of Rivals, and also most recently, Leadership in Turbulent Times. We'd love it if you also wanted to subscribe to that weekly newsletter. It comes out on Tuesdays via email, and you can visit franklincovey.com and click on the On Leadership icon and subscribe to that weekly free newsletter. Now, you probably know a bit about Franklin Covey, right? Global organizations, offices in countries around the world, really founded about 40 years ago, all with the mission of understanding, uncovering, discovering what are the common principles in life that make us achieve our own great purposes. In fact, their mission, our mission, is to inspire greatness in people and organizations everywhere. What, what a profound mission for a public company. We're all about helping people achieve their own great purposes in life and work. You probably know our company from a lot of our seminal books. I mean, who hasn't read the you know, earth-shaking book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? We've gone on to have more than 25 best-selling books, including The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey and The Five Choices to Extraordinary Productivity, books like The Four Disciplines of Execution and the book that I'm going to highlight here in a few minutes from Todd David, Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build Effective Relationships at Work. So we'll talk a lot about Franklin Covey and draw on their expertise. I mean, this company has invested not just in our clients, but in me. I mean, I'm here today because of the principles, the guidance, the leadership that this firm has shown me as I've lived around the world for them. Joined the company about 22 years ago in Utah, where I live now. Traveled with them, lived in um, London, lived in Chicago, came back to headquarters, and have had an amazing journey with a lot of great leaders in that organization. In fact, even before that as well, you know, people I can think that had a major influence on me, leaders, coaches, formal and informal, Deb and Charles and Don and Chuck and Gary and David and Bill and Bob and informal leaders like Colleen and Mary Ann, Paul and Todd. I'll bet you can think of some of, your, of the same in your own life. In fact, take a moment to think about that. Who've been the people along your journey that have believed more in you than you believed in yourself? that were instrumental to a pivot point in your own life, that saw something in you like people saw in me. You know, Dr. Covey has a very famous quote amongst many that I'll share with you. Leadership is communicating to people their worth and potential so clearly that they come to see it in themselves. That's the kind of leader I'm talking about. And I'll bet you are that in someone else's life as well. So a bit about me. So I joined the firm about 22 years ago. I came from Florida where I worked for the Disney Development Company. And those of you who have been to a Disney theme park around the world, the hotels, the rides, the cruise ships that you enjoy are built by their sister company, the Disney Development Company. And then they're sold back to the Walt Disney Company to manage. And I had an amazing ride with the Disney Company for four years, my hometown in Orlando. And they taught me so much, such great mentors and coaches there. This is a world-class organization. In fact, they sell that 
in the Disney way, right? They have a Disney Institute that actually teaches organizations and leaders how to accomplish their own missions the Disney way. I learned so much about quality and the guest experience and how people want to be treated and the golden rule. And so we'll share a lot of those uh, thoughts from my experience at Disney as well on this program. So I want to bring together the benefit of what I've learned, the genius of these guests each week, and the insights and thoughts from you on how we all can create these great lives we lead, want to lead, the legacies that we're going to leave, and have a great dialogue along the way. I'm going to send you to break, and before we come back, I want you to be thinking about how do you define your own great life? What were the words you would use? How do you define your own great career? Even if you're retired, I'll bet you're in some role, volunteering in school or community, church, mosque, synagogue, whatever it is you're doing in your personal time to leave a legacy. You might call it a career, a career after your career. Think about that. How do you define great life, great career for yourself? You're listening to Scott Miller on KNRS 105.9 Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Want to stay current on emerging leadership trends and best practices? Subscribe now to Franklin Covey's free weekly leadership newsletter by visiting franklincovey.com and clicking the On Leadership button. With On Leadership, you'll watch, hear, and read engaging interviews and insight from today's world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and accomplished business leaders. Find the On Leadership podcast on your favorite podcast provider and register for the full newsletter at franklincovey.com. Brought to you by Franklin Covey, this is Great Life, Great Career on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Now back to the show. Here's your host, Scott Miller. Welcome back. I'm Scott Miller, host of Great Life, Great Career, underwritten by Franklin Covey, our sponsor. When we went to break a few minutes ago, we posed the question, how do you define your own great life and great career? What words would you use to define them for yourself? Not for others, but just for yourself. You know, I asked the same question a few weeks ago when I was keynoting a conference in Amsterdam. Just about 10 days ago, I was invited to come to Franklin Covey's International Global Conference, where all of our partners from around the world assemble for three or four days. And we talk about what is the future of our firm, what are the challenges that our clients are facing, and how are we uniquely positioned to help partner with them. So picture in your mind sort of like a mini United Nations confab in New York City. Literally, there are about 170 people in the room from almost every country in the world, at least every country where it's legal for a U.S. company to do business in. And it was a fascinating connection, collection of people, if you will, people from the Netherlands and Denmark and Sweden, all through Scandinavia and Western and Eastern Europe, Poland and England and France and Italy, Spain, Portugal. We had people from throughout the Middle East, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, Egypt. And all across the Asian continent, China, Singapore, the Philippines, it was really this global connection that moved throughout Africa and South Africa and Uganda and throughout the Americas. We had friends and colleagues and partners there from Mexico, Panama, Brazil, Argentina, literally everywhere. I mean, what an amazing experience to be in the room with 150 people. Imagine all dressed in their you know native garb, right? Some in suits and some that were sheiks from the Middle East and an African native dress. Such an amazing experience to be with them. People of all ages and all facets of life. People who had mass, you know, vast personal wealth and had great careers that had literally moved out of senior government ministry jobs and partners in law firms and, and big, you know, Fortune 50 brands that now are the owners of our businesses in these countries. Down to more junior people who were just, you know, marketing assistants and office managers that are starting their career, learning from all of us different languages, different experiences. And I sat down with a couple of them in private groups and asked them the same question I asked you prior to break, where I said, how do you define a great life and a great career? And I got out my, my pad and got ready to take furious notes, thinking that with all these different cultures and languages and such, people would have different things to say. But that isn't what happened. What happened is they started to use some of the exact same words and same phrases. And I literally put my pen down is what they said is how they define a great life. People in China and Japan, just like people in Ecuador, said, I just want to give back. I want to find meaning both in my life and my career. And if they can combine together, all the better. I just want some life balance. I want to have a purpose. 
I, I want to share with others what's been shared with me. Wow. No need to take any notes because I've got it memorized because literally they said just three or four things. What they didn't say was they wanted to necessarily earn a lot of money or become the CEO, be the C-suite. Now, we all work for a living. We have bills to pay. We have career journeys. We have impact we want to make. But it was fascinating to hear them describe some of the same similarities about what they wanted out of their life. And it brings me to another thought. And that other thought is, we can have two lives within one, meaning most of us are on the treadmill in our personal life and in our professional life. And in some cases, we've tried to separate those two lives. And one of the many things I learned from Dr. Stephen R. Covey was that our lives are indivisible. In fact, I think it's increasingly the truth. He passed about six years ago. And since then, I think it's even more the case where our lives are one. And that as we begin to prioritize our values and align them with our mission, we get uber clear on what are the most important things we need to do. And as all of us are having our days interrupted, our nights interrupted, constantly with, with, with access to, you know, via our, our phones and our email and voicemail and texting and all that, we've got to be more clear about how do we set up some boundaries in our life so we can achieve both great lives and great careers. You know, I read a book recently in preparation for an interview on my other program called On Leadership I mentioned earlier. And the author that I was interviewing that week was a man named Eric Barker. He wrote a book called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Wall Street Journal best-selling book. He's a bit of a researcher scientist. I think he's a lawyer by training. Fascinating interview. In this book, he dispels a lot of the myths around success and achieving a great life and great career. It's a fascinating read, almost like an encyclopedia of you know a thousand different stories we've been told that actually empirically aren't true. And they begin to influence our lives. And in some ways, they've become a bit of a cataract, you know, in terms of how we see the world. And one of the points that Eric makes in his book has had a profound impact on me. About two months ago, he talks about the power of knowing your own story. In fact, that same concept I uncovered almost in the same week as I was preparing for an interview for Viola Davis, the Academy Award-winning actress and producer, who in an interview with the renowned um, psychologist, I think she's a psychologist, Brene Brown, who's a prolific author, she talked about how in Viola Davis's life that she had a very rough upbringing. She didn't know where her next meal was coming from, whether there would be rodents in her house, she'd have clothes, where she was going to live or sleep that night, whether it would be hot or cold. And she talked about you know, unpacking and owning her story and her, her journey and how fundamental it was to Viola's success in her career that she owned her own story. And Eric Barker talked about the same thing in his book about great leaders, great parents, great spouses, great friends know what their story was. And when I read it, I put the book down and I said to myself, my gosh, I'm 50 and I've never told myself my story. 10 p.m. at night, I'm laying in bed with my wife She's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> uh, it's about one book an evening. And I said, you know what, Stephanie? I said, I've never told myself my story. And I said, do you know your story? She's like, no, I don't know. Next night, tonight. <laughs> and my wife's very smart. And also putting three kids in bed was, you know, the extent of her energy that day. So I literally got up out of bed and I walked to the kitchen and I pulled out a wire whisk and used it as a microphone and pretended that I was being interviewed by somebody important. And I walked around the house, and for the first time in my life, I told myself my story out loud. Had there been a bit of video on me, you would have thought I was, you know, psychotic. And I started with, you know what? I was born in Orlando, Florida, an upper-middle-class family by two parents, and my mother was this, and her parents were like that, and my father was this, and his parents were like that, and who died early, and what their fears were, and what fears I had. What people throughout my life told me was true and wasn't true about me, about them, about the world, about what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I thought about, and I said out loud, who believed in me? Who lifted me up? Who held me back purposefully or accidentally? And in that 10 minutes of extemporaneously telling myself my own story, I got rid of some stuff. In that same interview with Brene Brown, Viola Davis talks about how she spent much of her career with thick skin. 
You got to have thick skin in Hollywood and in life because it, it lets things bounce off you. And you know, for much of my career, I've talked about how thick my skin is. And then she said, the problem with having thick skin is, although nothing can get in, nothing can also get out. And then she said, I'm going to have translucent skin, transparent skin. Now, I'm not going to take your stuff and put it on my shoulders, but I'm going to release myself from thick skin and have translucent skin. I thought, gosh, that's so powerful. And literally just a few months ago, it liberated me from some of the thoughts that I've come to know that are true about me and not true. And to really think about my passions, you know, a good friend of mine is a man named Seth Godin. Many of you probably know who he is. He's a prolific writer, speaker, author, teacher, leadership expert. He has the world's largest following marketing blog. And I was at his home a couple of years ago with my dear friend, Todd Davis, who's our guest in a few minutes. And one of the profound things that Seth talked to me about was, he said, Scott, as he began to know me more, he said, I want you to really carefully think about the difference between being fearless and reckless in your life. And it was also a watershed. If I want to create a great career and a great life, I need to be very mindful of when do I think I'm being fearless, but I'm really being reckless. I think it's a great question to ask ourselves. Have you told yourself your story out loud? I challenge you. We're going to take a break here again, and we're going to bring Todd Davis back on. I'd like you to go to break and think about what is your story? What have been your successes? What are you proud of? What did you accomplish? What would you like to accomplish if you knew you could and you can? What would it look like? You know, I've had the amazing privilege in my career at Franklin Covey of meeting some of the world's most amazing influencers. And one thing I've learned from them is the main difference between them and people like you and I, who are also great, is they just ask. They just they show some courage and say, can I be a part of that? Can I help with that? Can I have some of that? Can I do that? Can I try that? As we go to break, think about what is your story? I want you to take that wooden spoon or the spatula or anything that's a prop for a microphone. Walk around your house today and just say out loud, here's my story and I'm proud of it and I own it. And how is knowing that going to help me achieve my own great life? You're listening to Scott Miller on a great life, great career, iHeartRadio, 105.9 KNRS. We'll be right back with Todd Davis. From the customer loyalty experts at Franklin Covey comes the new book, Fierce Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. It's not enough for customers to merely like you. They have to love you. As a business leader, you know the lifeblood to your success is your customers. The experience customers have while in your store, your restaurant, or on your website determines if they become passionate promoters or detractors of your products and services. But how do you consistently behave so customers feel their experience with you is among the best they've ever had? Fierce Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion, reveals the principles and practices to earning fierce customer loyalty. Co-authored by Sandy Rogers, Lena Renee, and Sean Moon, Fierce Loyalty is full of eye-opening examples and practical tools to help you infuse empathy, responsibility, and generosity into every interaction and earn the fierce customer loyalty that is the lifeblood of every organization. Fierce Loyalty is available for pre-order now and lands in bookstores everywhere November 6th. How strong is your company culture? Does your team struggle to meet deadlines? Are you getting the best out of your employees? How can you increase trust in your company? With a subscription to the Franklin Covey All Access Pass, you can access the world's most comprehensive collection of performance improvement solutions, build maturity and accountability throughout your organization, strengthen the character and competence of your leaders to drive a high-trust culture, learn to identify and accomplish your most leveraged priorities in the midst of your daily whirlwind, develop the capacity of high-value decision-making in leaders across your organization. With Franklin Covey's All Access Pass, receive unlimited and on-demand access to nearly 30 world-renowned performance improvement solutions. Enjoy the flexibility, support, impact, and value of Franklin Covey's new All Access Pass. Visit franklincovey.com to learn more about the All Access Pass and begin engaging your employees, empowering your teams, building your leaders, and most importantly, achieving your results. You're listening to Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS, brought to you by Franklin Covey. 
Everybody, welcome back to Great Life, Great Career. I'm your host, Scott Miller. Our program is sponsored by the Franklin Covey Company. If you want to learn more about Franklin Covey, visit franklincovey.com and get a sense for all the solutions that can be available to make your organization achieve their top priorities. That's our expertise. You know, I mentioned as we went to break the concept of knowing your own story. I hope you've got your spatula, your whisk, your prop in hand. Uh, when I finish the program today, I want you to walk around your house or your office or in your car, on your drive home tonight, wherever you're doing today, tell yourself your story and specifically think about what are your passions, what are your values and your talents, and dispel some of the lies you've been told, you maybe have told yourself. You know, I found in my life, a lot of times people have told me things about me that are really more about them. And I got to understand what's the difference. Your story is super powerful as it relates to achieving your own great purpose. You know, I want to spend the rest of this program focused on relationships because fundamental to all of our lives and our careers is the richness and strength of relationships. Someone wise once said, nobody wishes they spent more time at the office on their deathbed. And isn't that true? Relationships at the end of the day are all that matters. And again, a famous quote that I love from Dr. Covey is, with people, slow is fast, and fast is slow. And for those of you who've met me or listened to any of the programs I'm on, you know that I have a fairly efficient personality. I tend to treat people like I treat raking up the fall leaves. I like to do things fast and quick. I'm productive. I like to get outcomes. And that doesn't always work for me. It does with the leaves that I've taken to actually raking my leaves by mowing my lawn. Do you do that at all? Do you ever use your lawn mower just to rake up your leaves? So I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, a dear friend of mine and a renowned global authority on this topic of relationships. And what is the practice, the art, and some of the science behind making sure they're really valuable in our lives. Today, we have Todd Davis joining us, who is the chief people officer of the Franklin Covey Company, kind of like the chief human resource officer. He owns the culture of our firm. I bet he'll talk about that. He's responsible for all the hiring, all the firing, all the coaching, all the performance praises, appraisals, all the promotions, right? I mean, his job is globally to make sure that all of the people parts, which by every degree of measure are the most important parts of any organization, are in place, right? Task to talent, people's careers are thriving, that he's not just re attracting, but retaining the right talent. Todd has recently written this new book, which instantly became a Wall Street Journal bestseller, sold 30,000 copies in the first 100 days. If I'm not mistaken, is now being translated into over 10 languages called Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build Effective Relationships at Work. I've read it twice. I probably need to read it two more times. <laughs> My wife would tell me. Todd, welcome to Great Life, Great Career. Thank you, Scott. It's great to be here. So first, uh, couldn't be more excited to have you impart some wisdom into us around how do we develop relationships in our lives, personal and professional. But first, explain to us, you've been in the firm longer than I have, but what is the role of the chief people officer? Well, I really don't have time for this interview because I got to go home and tell myself my story. I'm going to go <laughs> That's great to do hear. that right now, but uh, I'll take a few minutes before doing that. So as you alluded to this, the chief people officer, you know, as we all know, everyone in an organization or a team or a company contributes to the culture. But I view the chief people officer's role as more or less the quarterback or the project leader, if you will, of the culture. They're the person that wakes up every morning while they have a lot on their plate. Their primary focus is how are we doing in our culture? How are we increasing the engagement level, the collaboration, the um, great place to work in our organization, our culture? That's my role. You know, Todd, you make me look lazy because you are helping to run as a, an executive officer in this global company. Like I mentioned, all the culture people parts. You are the author of this best-selling book. You're co-authoring a new book, which we'll talk about before you leave today, which is going to be, I think, uh, going to change the sea of leadership in the world when it comes out in about a year. And you're speaking around the nation. You've been on um, you know, countless number of podcasts, interviews, and newspaper interviews, and speaking around the world. You're headed out in a few weeks, if I'm not mistaken, if I can get it right, to a five or six country speaking tour. You're speaking in Milan, in London. You're headed, I think, to Amsterdam along the way. You've got a speech in, um, in Nairobi. You're in Dubai. You're headed back to the World Business Forum in New York City, where I think you're speaking on the same stage as Ariana Huffington. I mean, this topic of relationships which some might think is a soft topic in the workplace. There's a reason why you're being 
booked all around the world. Why do you think this book took off so fast, so quickly? Yeah, well, it, it, it did, and it's exciting, and I, and I have had the great opportunities you mentioned to write it and then to go out and speak on it. And I think the number one reason is that while we're all at different stages in our careers and different roles and functions, we're all measured in a lot of different ways, there is an ultimate measure for every one of us, and that is by the results we get. When you think about it, we all get our results with and through other people. You know, unless I run a company where I'm the only employee, the rest of us, you know, we're, as you talked so much about this morning, we all work and get results through others. So that's why I think this topic of relationships and having effective relationships and building and maintaining those is foundational to all of the success and the great life, great career that we're going to have in our lives. Todd, I so enjoyed reading your book because it's, you know, a lot of business books are written where all the great ideas from the first half and the back half tends to be filler. About you, I, if you're like me at all, you've got 15 books in your nightstand and you're halfway through all of them and you stop. Your book is so unique because you've peppered such great insights throughout. You've got these 15 practices. I'm going to review them real quick and ask you to speak on one or two in a minute here. But you've seasoned them throughout. These are the 15 things that came about how. How did you collect these 15 and why are there 15 of them? Well, while I'd like to claim that I am this lone genius that, you know, through my wisdom, just derive these 15 things. I've been, some would say unfortunate, I've been very fortunate to be in the role or role similar to the chief people officer role for the bulk of my career. And through those positions or those opportunities, I've, I've been more or less the fly on the wall, uh, observing, mediating, coaching, working with others, and being able to see firsthand those things, those behaviors, those practices that really build and enhance effective relationships or those things that we, many times I, trip over and, and actually damage the relationship. So it's been through my years of experience in witnessing and observing and working with others that I was able to then uh, put together this list, started out much larger, 40, mm-hmm. then we got down to 21, we're down to, to 15, so that it's something we can digest and, and start to focus on. So these are the 15 behaviors that I've seen time and time in my career bubble to the top to be the real catalysts for those who positively influence others and, and build effective relationships. So some practices are left on the cutting floor. So, well, <laughs> Like Prince, where there's new music coming out. Someday <laughs> we're going to see the anthology of the seven lost practices <laughs> to really great relationships. Now you're onto my secrets. Don't tell that. <laughs> you know, Todd, what makes, I think, the book so compelling is it's kind of a start anywhere, go everywhere book, where... You've got these great stories that bring to life real-life disguised situations of common challenges we all find in our families, in our communities, in our workplace. I want to read the 15 practices real quick, and I'm going to talk about a couple of them with you. The first practice is, and some of these are named, but not always intuitive, right? Wear glasses that work. Number two is carry your own weather. Number three, behave your way to credibility. Practice four is play your roles well. I want to come back to that one. Practice five, see the tree, not just the seedling. Practice six, avoid the pinball syndrome. That's interesting. I'm good at that. Is it good to be, is it, is it a sign of success if I'm good at one of these or bad at one of these? Practice number seven is think we, not me. Practice eight, take stock of your emotional bank accounts. Nine is examine your real motives. 10, talk less, listen more. Practice 11, get your volume right. 12 is extend trust. 13, make it safe to tell the truth. Practice 14, align inputs with outputs, and then you end with start with humility. Let's, let, let's start there. The last practice is starting with humility. That seems maybe really smart, or did you make a mistake? <laughs> well, thanks for asking. That My intent in putting it at the end and calling it start with humility was just so people like you would ask me about it. You know, some of our listeners may be familiar with a play written by the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre titled No Exit. This play begins with three people or individuals in the afterlife, and they find themselves in a room with no door and where the windows are completely bricked up. That's why he called the play No Exit. And they start to really irritate each other, as you can imagine. And because they irritate each other, they try to change each other, like we often do in the workplace or in our personal lives. That doesn't go so well, and it only escalates their frustration. And in this play, they slowly start to realize that hell isn't fire and brimstone or some torture chamber they'd imagine, but hell is in fact other Kids. people. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. But people who won't do or change or who beha- won't behave the way that we want them to. Now, it's only a play, but think about it. How often do all of us 
try to change or fix those that, you know, that don't see eye to eye with us and what happens when our attempts to, to fix them don't work. So starting with humility is realizing that we can spend a lot of energy and effort trying to change Scott, trying to change Lee, Joe, Fred, Susan, or like the most effective people you and I have witnessed throughout their lives, we can take a look in the mirror and start with ourselves. You know, this isn't just coincidental, but I mentioned earlier I had the privilege of interviewing uh, the Pulitzer Prize winning author Doris Kearns Goodwin yesterday on the other program I host on, on leadership. And she mentioned that the top two leadership traits of all of her research, and this woman knows leadership, right? She mentioned that empathy and humility are the two traits that she finds most vital in every leader she meets or writes about. And it's not just by coincidence you're saying the same thing. Have you met her before? No. Wish I had. You know, what, another one of your practices that I like is practice four, play your roles well. You and I both uh, are on the executive team at Franklin Covey. And we spend a lot of time with our chairman and CEO, Bob Whitman, a man of you know, amazing vision and passion and, and courage and, and, and business acumen. And he's also a family man. And I, I've noticed, as I'm sure you have, Bob is very particular about defining his roles. Why his life is so great, I think, is because in his shirt sleeve pocket, he will take four or five index cards, as you've seen, and he'll write down what his roles are, father, husband, teacher, parent, CEO, coach, friend. And I've asked him about the cards and he says that he writes down every day, what can I do today to become the best father ever? What's something I could do to be the best grandfather? And you know, Bob, I think, has a great focus on his roles in life. Talk about what you've learned around the concept of practice four, play your roles well. Well, playing your roles well is all about just, just what you've described. It's deciding what are the most important roles in our lives? And what is the significant contribution or contributions that we hope to make in each one of those roles? And the mistake that I, I've certainly made and I see many make is we want to be everything to everybody. I want to be everybody's best friend and I want to be the greatest you know, family member and I want to be the greatest worker and this and that. And all of a sudden we have 20, 30, 40 roles that we want to be exceptional at. Now, we can absolutely have hundreds of associations and friends on social media and all of that, but those roles that are most critical at the end of the day, what are those? And when you get to have more than five or, or seven max, you start to disappoint yourself and a lot of people a lot of the time. So it's deciding what are the most important roles at this stage in my life. Sometimes they change, not certainly not weekly and not monthly or even annually, but at different stages, maybe a role or two will change. But in general, what are the most important roles in my life right now? And not just think about what am I doing to really make a meaningful contribution to those roles, but actually putting together a plan and rev reviewing and coming back to that plan on a weekly basis to make sure that you are, in fact, doing what you, what you hope to be doing. You're listening to Great Life, Great Career on iHeartRadio. Our guest today is Todd Davis, the best-selling author of the book, Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build Effective Relationships at Work. And you probably could have added at home too, right? Because all these are universal. What I'd like to do, Todd, is kind of propose to you some common scenarios we find ourselves in. And from your wisdom and your guidance over these, you know, nearly 30 years as being not just our chief people officer at Franklin Covey, but in other senior leadership roles in your career, and have you give us some of your, your wisdom and insights, because I'm sure all of us have faced some of these. So what happens when a leader or manager comes into your office complaining, I'm sure that's rare, <laughs> uh, about an underperforming employee that works for them. What's the advice? What does it look like when that happens? I guess it happens probably more frequently than we want it to. Happens a lot. We are, we are in a busy world. We're all in such a hurry. We need to get these results and we don't have, or we've said to ourselves, we don't have time to slow down and help this, you know, person that's struggling. We just got to get the right person in, in the right seat and then move forward. And so, yes, often we'll have uh, discussions about, uh, somebody who's underperforming. And you said earlier on the program, Scott, uh, one of your favorite quotes, one of mine from Dr. Covey as well, is with people, fast is slow and slow is fast. So that's the, that's the uh, premise that I start out the conversation with, is just to slow everything down. And of course, every situation varies. We're all different. But in general, I like to start off by talking about, now, help me understand why you first hired Ken, or hmm. why did you first hire Debbie? And let's talk about what you saw in them originally. And again, I'm not Pollyanna saying, I know they're a wonderful person, you just don't see it. But, but let's start by remembering what is it that they do well, or at least you initially thought they did well. And let's kind of recalibrate. And, and then we start to talk about things of how aware are they 
of maybe the gap between what you'd like them to be doing and where they're performing right now. So that's the, the, the principle there is to slow down, start out by remembering, wait a minute, this is a human being. This is someone's son or daughter. This is someone's perhaps brother or sister or aunt or uncle. And let's, let's look at the whole person, as you also said earlier in your show, you know, our lives are one. We don't take off our work hat and put on our personal hat. So if I right. can get leaders to remember, wait a minute, let's talk about the whole person. Let's start thinking about what's important to them, what's engaging or not engaging to them. Then we start to maybe be able to surface the real issues that we can hopefully address. And yes, sometimes we've got the wrong person in the wrong match for the job. But more often than not, it's just slowing down and taking time to make sure they understand where the gaps are. Your advice reminds me of a a quote from the famous author and social media sensation, Brendan Bouchard, who wrote once that in almost every case in life, slower is better than faster. I need to have that tattooed on the inside of my glasses. So, Todd, I've been to your office before, and you, a large company, you have a bit of a waiting room. Uh, is there some advice you'd give everybody out in the waiting room who's coming in to see you for coaching advice or career advice or a challenge? What, what advice would you give people who are kind of out in line to come to the muse, the guide? <laughs> yeah. Anything you would tell people well, that might be beneficial in their own companies? Um, go away. <laughs> <laughs> come back another day yeah. <laughs> when I'm off. <laughs> no, no. If, if I were, I mean, again, the setup isn't exactly that way, but, but it's great. It's a great scenario you paint. If, if I had a sign outside of my office to have people reflecting on before we had a chance to discuss and I learned from them and they learned from me, it would be, have you considered the other person's perspective? That, that's what I hope people will do. And again, it's not to say you're not right or you're not, you're not justified in your actions, your emotions, or your feelings right now, but have you slowed down to consider the other person's perspective? If we can start there, in the workplace, at home, as a country, as a world, we would be so much better off just taking time to start with considering the other person's perspective. It's a great marriage advice. My third wife thought so. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I know Trish. You have uh, four beautiful children and lots of more grandchildren. One marriage uh, so far. Uh, Todd, another scenario. You've made a mistake that created a big riff with a client, a colleague, a stakeholder in the company. Um, how do you repair it? What advice would you give to someone who's trying to repair a problem that they created? They may not have yet maybe taken responsibility for. Yeah. To go absolutely opposite of what is our natural intuition, don't try and hide it. Don't try and hide it. Um, now, don't just think, okay, well, I'm going to make a mistake every day and I'll just broadcast it every morning and then I'll have a great career. But when we do make those mistakes, and we all make those mistakes, you know, set up a time, every situation is different, but to respectfully go with your leader or whoever it is you need to talk with and say, I need you to know that I've made a mistake or I've, I've caused a problem here. And, and what I find with many people is they say, well, I don't know how to have the conversation. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I, I use this example a lot, but it's just proven itself time and time again. Say that very thing. Go meet with someone and say, Bob, I got to share something with you. I'm not quite sure how to share it. So if you'll just let me get this out, and if I say it wrong or if, I, if this is upsetting, give me a do-over. But on the project last week that I was supposed to have ready, here's what happened. I thought I could do it in this amount of time. Whatever it is, go ahead and, and confess, if you will, right away. That will build such trust with your leader or with others. It's disarming also, isn't it? Yeah. Very disarming. Yeah. So they will say, gosh, I'm, I'm disappointed, Todd, that, that happened. But let's figure out together. That's usually what the response is versus I try and hide it. I try and fix it. They find out eventually. And then we've lost trust because they think, how many other things are, are going on behind my back that I'm not sure or things that didn't get completed that I thought were completed? It just creates this big guessing game. How did you get so smart? Yeah. <laughs> Working with people like you. <laughs> yeah. Darn straight. No, no. <laughs> Let's go to the next scenario, which I think is relevant to everybody, regardless of where you are in your life and your career. If you want to earn more influence in the workplace, on a committee you're serving, in your family— how does someone build their influence with others? Yeah, lots of factors contribute to that. But I, but I go back to what I have tried to teach my kids every day, and that is do what you say you're going to do. So if I get my foot in the door as the receptionist at the company, follow up on your commitments. Do what you say you're going to do. You and I were talking about a young man that's come to work for our company just earlier this morning and how he has this – Uh, natural or maybe it's uh, a proactive, this ability to look around corners to try and anticipate what is needed. I think about some of the most effective people I've had the benefit of working with, and they 
first do what they say they're going to do. They honor their commitments, but they also focus heavily on anticipating the needs of others. Uh, and some, most of the time they're right. Sometimes they're wrong, but that's okay. The fact that they are looking around corners trying to anticipate is a dramatic and huge way to increase your influence. Todd, a mutual friend of ours who I know helped guide you on some of your work on your book is Sue Dathy Douglas. She's a long-term Franklin Covey colleague, traveled the world for us, great ambassador for our brand. She lives in um, Scottsdale. She's often fond of asking this question. I think about it a lot. And that is, what is it like being in a relationship with you? Do I feel bigger, better, stronger, smarter? I mean, Sue, it's an amazing quote to kind of ask ourselves every morning on our way to work. What's it like to be in a friendship with Scott Miller? What's it like to be in a meeting with Scott Miller? What advice would you give someone as we finish our discussion this morning around people being introspective on what is it like to be in a relationship? Any advice you might give on people building their own self-awareness, questions they can ask themselves, some small changes they might make on just being more collaborative and being more helpful to others? Well, that's a, it's a great question. And it's a great quote by our dear friend, Sue. It's caused me to think a lot about that, that very question. You know, as I reflect on the most effective people I've had the privilege of working for, working with, and work with today, they, they have many attributes, but the one that is at the very top of the list is they are thoughtful. And I don't mean thoughtful, Generous, they say nice right, things right, to me or send me right. a card. I mean, they are thoughtful, kind of like the sign I was saying, I wish I had outside my door, I may go home and create it right now, is have you considered the other person's opinion? They, they are thoughtful. They don't feel this need. You, you joked a little bit earlier about Seth asking you if you were reckless or... Fearless. Fearless, yeah. Uh, we are in such a rush, rush society, and we feel the need to compete and to stay on top and to, to look good. And, and that's natural, but those people who are most effective slow down I don't have to have an answer right now. I don't have to get back with this person right now. I don't have to send this email, even though my emotions are high right now. I can pause. I can think back. Now, wait a minute. What is the long-term impact that this comment or this email or this reaction is going to have? And I don't mean they wait days and weeks, but I mean, sometimes it's maybe three minutes. They pause in their mind and think, wait a minute, how is this going to sound when I react to what Scott just said this way? They And they do it probably... Uh, they probably have to really focus on it initially, but then it starts to become habitual for them so that they, in, in record time, they're carefully thinking through the words that they come out of their, that come out of their mouth. Todd, as we sign off here, uh, beyond just being thoughtful, as you look at the dozens and dozens and hundreds of careers that you've had some small role perhaps in shaping and coaching and building, what are the most effective people at Franklin Covey worldwide, regardless of culture, doing where they've built their careers, beyond their business acumen and their, and their actual business skills, what are the most effective people doing in their relationships? They address, as we said earlier, they address the whole person. They, they treat everyone as a human being versus, you know, a, a, a cog or a tool right. to get a Regardless of their result. level, what they can Reg do for them. Absolutely. Right. In fact, somebody asked me in an interview the other day, what, what was my biggest pet peeve? And, and it really is someone who treats people based on their status or based on their role in an organization. It, it's, it's, it, now, of course, you're going to talk to the receptionist about different things that you talk to the CEO, but, but the language you use, the respect that you show should not be any different. I, I try to remind people that all the time. So people who do that are very influential and very effective. We've been talking with Todd Davis, the author of the best-selling book, Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Building Effective Relationships at Work. And I'm adding at home. Todd, what an honor. I'm so glad you joined us today. Very insightful. I appreciate your experience and your wisdom and your friendship as well. Thank you, Scott. I encourage everybody to get this book for you and your teams. Todd is available for keynotes and work sessions in companies. You can see him uh, also online at getbetter.com and at Franklin Covey's website, franklincovey.com. We're going to go to break. Think about the investments you're making in your relationships, how it relates to your own story, and how all those combine together to ignite this great life, great career. You're listening to Great Life, Great Career on KNRS 105.9. We'll be right back with some final thoughts and talk about next week's guest as well. Want to stay current on emerging leadership trends and best practices? Subscribe now to Franklin Covey's free weekly leadership newsletter by visiting franklincovey.com and clicking the On Leadership button. With On Leadership, you'll watch, hear, and read engaging interviews and insight from today's world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and accomplished business leaders. Find the On Leadership podcast on your favorite podcast provider and register for the full newsletter at franklincovey.com. 
Welcome back to Great Life, Great Career on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Here's your host, Scott Miller. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, If you just joined us, we talked with Todd Davis, who is the Franklin Covey Chief People Officer. We got a little bit deep into this book he's written called Get Better, all around how do you really fulfill relationships in your life, both at work and at home, and how does that relate to achieving a great life and great career? You know, there are 15 practices in this book. Todd touched on a couple of them in some workplace scenarios. I think this is a great manual for how to build your career as it relates to building influence and, and, and being a linchpin as the culture in your organization. You know, One of the thoughts that Franklin Covey is so well-known for is if you want to create a great culture in your organization, and culture is so important, this isn't a buzzword, it's not going away. The fact is, people don't quit their jobs. They quit their leaders, and they quit the cultures of their employers. And that a leader's job in every organization is to model what you want to see in your people. If you want to see trustworthiness, you need to be trustworthy. If you want to see a hard work ethic and and, and a spirit of abundance and generosity and self-awareness and people taking responsibility for their mistakes. Leaders have to model that. And in fact, leaders create culture in every engagement, every email, every voicemail, every text, every meeting. Every time you walk down the hallway and you're in your phone and you aren't acknowledging a colleague, you have created culture for good or bad. And relationships are also vital to having a great organizational culture. It is the most competitive advantage your organization can have. Because you can copy and replicate everything else, patents, products, supply chain, pricing, speed to market. What you cannot copy are the people in your organizations. And I might take it a step further. As Todd has taught me, people aren't your most valuable asset. It actually is the relationships between the people in your organization. When Deb and Lee cannot get along, regardless of how talented they both are, They will grind your speed to a halt. Relationships amongst people, their ability to work it out, get along, respect each other. They won't always see things the same, same in our families. But every organization, including your family, your most precious asset is the relationships amongst your people. You know, two thoughts that Todd did not expand on that I want to riff on for just a minute are two more practices. One is practice 12. It's called carry your own weather. I believe it's a concept that Dr. Covey popularized in one of his earlier books, I think even The Seven Habits, that really talks about, you know, people that are really effective and proactive, they don't allow other situations, scenarios, people to influence their mood. Their mood is grounded in their values. It's a metaphor, right? They metaphorically carry around an umbrella of sunshine and proactivity, and they're very careful about how reactionary they are to other outside stimuli, that when your boss walks in and she's kind of, you know, got her head down and tromping to your office and you're convinced that you're in trouble, when in fact it really was that probably she and her teenage son had a fight that morning and it has nothing to do with you, that proactive, effective people carry their own weather and they don't let other people hijack their moods and they take some time to choose their response, put some space between what's happening right now, what's being said to you. Take a breath. Take a breather. Because often we regret the things that come immediately out of our mouths. I think there is a great business insight in write the email, but don't send it. Write the note, but read it again the next day and rip it up and put it in the garbage can. That highly effective leaders, influential leaders are super careful around. It may feel good right now, but I'm going to regret this later on. Carry your own weather. Another thought I want to share on is practice eight in the book, Get Better, by our guest today, Todd Davis. Take stock of your emotional bank accounts. Again, it's a metaphor popularized by Stephen Covey in his seminal book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, of which has sold more than 30 million copies around the world is one of the best-selling books on the topic of effectiveness ever written. It's changed my life. It's changed countless millions of lives. And this concept of take stock of your emotional bank accounts is really treating our relationship with others kind of like our bank accounts, that there are emotional deposits and there are emotional withdrawals. And that 
healthy relationships have a balance towards making deposits because all of us will make withdrawals out of other people's, quote, emotional bank accounts. And you need to be thoughtful, to quote Todd, and intentional about making deposits in people's bank accounts. Now, there's a couple of of caveats because what you might think is a deposit to them may not be a deposit. I'll bet many of you read the book, The Five Love Languages. I think Gary Chapman wrote that book. And it's, it's a fabulous book. I encourage you, it will change your marriage for the better. I encourage you to go buy that book as well, The Five Love Languages. And, and in that book, he talks about how everybody kind of falls into one or two or three of these five love languages. And they kind of are around words of affirmation and gifts and acts of service and physical touch and things like that. And what may be your love language may not be your partner, your spouse's love language. That how she or he receives love is very different than you do. My, my, my wife, quite frankly, likes gifts. Her closet proves that. And you know what I like? I like words of affirmation. I like to know that I'm providing love for my family and that my bringing in the garbage cans and changing the diapers and mowing the lawn is appreciated. It's very similar to emotional bank accounts because what you think might be a deposit for somebody else may not be a deposit. And what you think is a withdrawal might not be a withdrawal. So you have to ask. You have to know the other person. What would the other person value or what will offend the other person, because in many times in our quest for a great career and a great life, we assume, and we assume what might offend or influence somebody else for the positive or negative. And this concept of thinking about the most important roles in your life and the most important and most, most valuable relationships, what does the other person value? Are you speaking their language? Are you out of your own head? And do you know what your husband, your wife, your boss, your employee thinks would be a withdrawal and would be a deposit. You're listening to Great Life, Great Career. I'm Scott Miller, your host. Next week, we have a very exciting guest as well. His name is Stephen M. R. Covey. He is the son of the famed Dr. Covey, and he's the author of the runaway best-selling book on the New York Times Wall Street Journal called Speed of Trust. And this book is all about the premise of great relationships are rooted in trustworthiness. In fact, in this book, he talks about how credibility plays a role in you being trusted. And your credibility really comes from a combination of your character and your competence. And that in the workplace, great careers come about because you have demonstrated both high character and high competence. We'll define what those are when our guest joins us next week. He also specifically talks about the power of declaring your intent. That when you enter in high-stakes conversations— that you declare what your intent is so the other person won't be suspicious of what your motives are. He also illuminates 13 specific behaviors to all high-trust leaders, things that are very actionable, things all of us can start doing differently today. He speaks to what those opposite behaviors are, and perhaps most importantly, he talks about the counterfeit behaviors and that high-trust or low-trust organizational cultures are defined by how well your leaders demonstrate these 13 behaviors, and conversely, low-trust cultures are defined by the counterfeits. Here's a great example. That, you know, being honest and telling the truth, the opposite is, of course, is to lie or deceive. And very few leaders are lying or deceiving. But the counterfeit behavior sounds like both of those, but really is spinning posturing, you know, beating around the bush, technically telling the truth, but leaving the wrong impression that low trust cultures in your companies, in your families are usually defined by, are you on that slippery slope of the counterfeits? Couldn't be more excited about next week's guest, Stephen M. R. Covey, author of the best-selling book, The Speed of Trust. I want to make sure that you know every week we will take your calls and your emails. Our phone number is 801-449-1876. And our email is lifeandcareer at franklincovey.com. You've been listening to Scott Miller, sponsored by Franklin Covey on iHeartRadio. Great life, great career. We hope you take away some insights today. Think about your roles. Think about your story. And we'll see you next week on Great Life, Great Career. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Great Life, Great Career on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS, brought to you by Franklin Covey. Follow hosts 
Scott Miller for more insight on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash scottmillerfc. If you missed any of the show, be sure to download the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or visit knrs.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.